Hey, it's producer Michael Miracle here with a quick word of thanks for listening to the I Work For Him podcast. It's folks like you who make this workplace movement work. That's why we strive to highlight great authors and experts who bring phenomenal insight on how to bring Jesus into your workplace. Share this podcast with your friends, family, and coworkers, and together we'll make the I Work For Him mission a success. Thanks again for listening. Let's start the podcast. You've tuned in the fastest one hour in Christian talk radio. Thanks for tuning in this afternoon to I Work For Him. As we venture out to tackle a subject that's bound to irritate a few people, but challenge the rest of you. So here's the question. What's the value of a small group? You know, you hear a lot of people say, hey, you know, come to my church, get involved in the church, but get involved in a small group. Why? And when I say small group, I'm talking about a group of believers gathering to study this and share in the study. Okay, they're getting together to share, to study the scriptures, and sharing their lives. That's the whole idea. But what's the value in that? And what size is perfect for a small group? Is a small group a replacement to going to church? There's a question that's going to challenge some people. Is 20 people in a small group too many? Is two people in a small group too few? What is a really small group? And what's the benefit of a really small group? You know, today we're going to break it down. Today we're going to talk with two experts on small church. Today we're going to talk with Felicity Dale, and we're also going to talk with John White. I believe we got John on the air already. Do we have Felicity yet? All right. John White, welcome to I Work For Him. Hi, Jim. Good to be here. Good to be here with you. I appreciate you taking some time out today. I know Felicity will be joining us really quickly. I'll make sure that I get Michael her number so that he can uh, try her. But, John, why don't you talk to us a little bit about how Christ, just before we get started, how have you seen Christ get involved in the minute details of your life recently? The minute details of my life. Well, yeah. um, I guess that has to do with just time that I try to spend with the Lord every morning. Uh, so that's kind of the starting place for me uh, to to connect with the Lord. Um, one of my heroes is a guy from the 1800s by the name of George Mueller, and he said that the Lord told him that his first order of business every day was to get his own soul happy in Jesus. And so I've kind of adopted that as uh, as my own motto. My first goal is to get my own soul happy in Jesus or joyful in Jesus, and uh, that's that. That's the starting place for everything else. So how did you gain this interest in small church, in small groups, in super small groups? Where did all that come from? Yeah, you bet. Well, I was a, I was a pastor, a Presbyterian pastor, for 25 years in good evangelical churches. But little by little, I, I think I became disillusioned with sort of the large institutional church. Now, certainly God works there, no question about that, but I was hungry for something more. There was sort of a, a holy discontent in my soul. And one of the things that it did is it drove me back to my New Testament. And what I discovered, much to my amazement, I mean, I'd been through seminary, the whole deal, was that every church mentioned in the Bible met in a home and functioned like a small spiritual family. And that was true for at least 300 years. That understanding really rocked my world and, and motivated me to kind of go back and study uh, what the New Testament practice of church was all about. Well, and that's got, as a pastor, that had to twist you up a little bit. Because, you know, <laughs> honestly, 
I mean, the conversation we're having today is going to tick some people off yeah. because we're talking about small churches. And, and honestly, because the biblical example of small churches is really small, you know, because houses back then weren't a thousand square feet. They weren't 2000 square feet. They weren't 5000 square feet. These are pretty small little places. You, you couldn't fit 25 or 30 people in there. You certainly couldn't fit 300. That's exactly right. So uh, Felicity Dale is joining us now. Felicity, welcome back to I Work For Him. Well, thank you. Thank you, Jim. All right. So, uh, Felicity, let's just jump back just a little bit. John's just given a little bit of his perspective on this, on where he gained his interest into small church, simple church. Why don't you give your perspective on how did the Lord draw that to your attention? How did the Lord put that in the forefront and said, Felicity, this is something I want you to focus on? Well, it, it goes back a long way. In... Um when we lived in England, we moved here in 1996, but uh, prior to that, we were living in England. We were part of what was called the British House Church Movement. Now, these were churches that started in homes uh, all over the country. The Holy Spirit was moving, um, but they rapidly grew and uh, went the traditional route, uh, you know, rented a building on, and so on. And so it, it, it really became... Uh, more of a megachurch movement in, the, in British terms, which is not the same as saying as, as, uh, the same as it is in American terms. Um, then, when the Lord moved us over here, we tried desperately hard for uh, probably eight or nine years to fit into uh, the, the sort of local church scene. But I think what we'd known in England was so very different, and we made all kinds of mistakes. And then. Um, through a number of circumstances, we started uh, meeting with a small group of non-Christians, maybe 10 or 11 of them. And uh, over the course of a year, uh, all of them became Christians. They were business associates, and so we'd invited them to a Bible study uh, on the topic of business and finance and that kind of thing. And we used the, the um, book of Proverbs to study that. But uh, at the end of a year, they'd all become Christians, and we were taking them to a church that met, oh, about 40, 40 minutes from our home. But when that church then moved a further 15, 20 minutes away, we decided it was way too far for um, us to be taking all these brand-new Christians who all, all tended to live in our area of town. And so we went to see the senior pastor of that church, and we said to him, well, you know, what should we do? Because you've now moved further away, and it, it's too far for us to come and to really be part of the community that you have here. And he said to us, well, why don't you start a church? And uh, we, we prayed about it, and we sensed that was what the Lord wanted us to do. And that, that church that we started grew. It grew initially with business people, and then we started inviting um the friends of our kids to come for what we call the breakfast Bible study. They started becoming Christians, and the um, their their families started coming too. And when there were about fifty people meeting in our very average sized living room, we had to decide what to do. Now we'd had nine years uh, of trying to hear what God was saying to us, and what we'd so appreciated about the certainly the early days of the, the British House Church movement that we were involved in. And um, as, as we prayed about it and as we thought about what God was doing around the world, uh, we, we just sensed that he was saying to us, multiply the small, don't get bigger, uh, but multiply the small. And, and so we, we started an experiment, really. What would happen if we tried to multiply, multiply small groups and things just went from there? 
Well, and John White, what she's talking about is, you know, a passion that you've got. You've got an organization focused on this. Why don't you tell us about LK10? Okay. Uh, LK really is an abbreviation, of course, of Luke chapter 10, because we think that's the clearest chapter in the Bible where you see Jesus' strategy for fulfilling the Great Commission through starting churches. Again, I've been through seminary, been a pastor for many years, and never really seen that. So uh, Luke 10 is a community of, we call it a community of practice for leaders of organic house churches and small groups. So what we do is train people uh, how to start and nurture these groups so that two things are true. One is that they're deeply transformational. Lives are changed, um, conformed to the image of Christ. And secondly, that viral multiplication takes place as a result. Those are the two things that we're looking for. Well, and I want to just stop for a second and tell the listeners and I work for him why we're talking about this. You know, my and this is this is why I wanted to get you guys on here, and we're and we I'm sure this is going to involve multiple conversations. But you know, the fact of the matter is that people are not attracted. Most people are not well, certainly non-believers are not attracted to big churches. They're intimidated by big churches. A lot of church people have stopped going to church. They've, they've, as you put in an article, uh, John, they're called the duns. They're done with big church. Right. Yet they're not done with God. And this is an opportunity. I mean, the small group experience, the small church experience, which in my mind, that's interchangeable, but you can refute that when we come back from the break. But in my mind, the small group experience is transformational because that's where the real relationships happen. That's where the real connectedness happens. That's where people really start to experience all that Christ intended for church because the big church experience is almost like an entertainment kind of experience. You have to get in the small group to really get plugged in. You know, I've been going to a big church for a lot of years, but I know that the relationships, the love that I feel, the encouragement, the challenge, I get, yes, I learn from the pulpit, but I get the challenge, I get the love, I get the relationships out of my small group. And if you're not involved in a small group, you're really missing out what the church is all about. Now, that's all my opinion. And before the break, I kind of laid all that out. And so now we've got two experts on the line with us today. We've got Felicity Dale, who, along with her husband, Tony, have written a book called Small is Big. And the underline is Unleashing the Big Impact of Intentionally Small Churches. We also have John White on on the line. He's in part in charge of an organization called LK10, based on Luke 10. You can find out more about them online at LK10. John, help me out. Is it an ORG or is it com? What is it? Yeah, it's LK10.com. That's what it is. I had it written down. I want to make sure I had it proper. <laughs> You're close. Okay. All right. So Felicity and John, we'll go with ladies first. Felicity, I kind of laid out there why I think this is a topic of conversation for the I Work For Him audience. People going to work every day, people coming alongside people who don't go to church. Did I, Do you agree with what I said? Just comment on what I said right before the break. Um, yes. I, I mean, I, I absolutely agree with you that... Um uh, so many people now are voting with their feet. They're very busy Monday through Friday. They've got things going on over the weekend, and uh, church has just become less and less relevant uh, to, to their lives. And I think part of that is because 
um, in, in so many of the bigger churches, uh, really they're expected to be spectators. Everything is done by a few people from the front, and they're expected to sit down and, and listen. And yes, absolutely, one learns when you know somebody expounds the word, and one loves the worship and so on. But the it's the relationships and the iron sharpening iron that occurs within a small group that can really has the power to transform lives. And I think a lot of people uh, instinctively miss that. Um, because church has become, as I said, so much of a spectator sport. Well, and i got to be honest with you, when I challenge my friends that aren't involved in small groups, I'm like, hey, how are you really getting anything out of church? I mean, it's great to get get the teaching, because there are some phenomenal pastors out there who are great teachers who can really take the guts out of the Bible and, and make it practical. But the relationships are what encourage us to, to the depth in our walk that we need. John, comment on that. Well, first of all, I want to go back to, to Felicity's book. Uh, Felicity and I and her husband, Tony, have been friends for about 15 years, so we've been on this house church journey for that whole time. And uh, I really want to recommend her book. Um, it would be great for people to, to sign up for that if they can. Um, yeah, I, I think you know there are good things about large churches. I, I'm not negative about that, but I think real discipleship takes place in an environment where we are known and know people. Uh, that's where lives are changed. Uh, a sermon by itself generally doesn't, doesn't change hearts. It can be part of the process, but what is needed is that interpersonal reaction. And uh, like we, we've talked about the Duns, recent surveys said that perhaps as many as 65 million Americans are Duns. They're, they're done with church. They, they, they once were part of a church, often leaders, but now they say, I'm finished, and I'm not going back. But they're not done with God. So we think going back to the original New Testament picture of church is exactly what a lot of these folks are really hungry for. Well, all right, so then let's do a compare and contrast here, because what's the difference between, you know, in, in um, Felicity and Tony's book, Small is Big, which we'll give away a copy, just call into the studio line, 877-943-9673. Maybe you're frustrated with your big church, and you really want to find out what is this small church movement all about, 877-943-9673. So what's the difference between a house church and a simple church or a small group? <laughs> Go ahead, Felicity. <laughs> oh, no, that question was for you, John. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Don't pass a buck to Felicity. <laughs> then Felicity can correct me. So, okay. So uh, uh, we, uh, we sometimes use these different terms. Simple church, we say, is a way of doing church that is so simple that any Christian can say, I could do that. Because we've made church so complicated, you have to go to seminary for three or four years, learn Greek and Hebrew, and do all these kinds of things. But that simply wasn't true in the first century. It was the average Christian uh, who were often leading house churches. So simple church. House church simply means a church that meets in the home. Um, as simple church? Earlier, does, yeah. Do simple churches not meet in homes? Uh, most of them do. They're not restricted to that. We have churches meeting in Starbucks and all kinds of different places. A workplace is one place. But in the Hebraic culture, the home and not the synagogue was always seen as the center of spiritual life. Synagogue was supportive of that. And it was in that context that Jesus taught his disciples how to start churches. So we want to go back to the idea of the home as the center point of, of Christian growth. The Chinese actually have a, have a saying, and it goes like this, um, every home a church. If that one fact began to take hold throughout America, 
it would transform the entire country. Okay. I'm writing that down because I want to bring that back up again. But do you didn't? What about what's the difference? Felicity, you jump in here. What's the difference then between a house church and a small group in a in a home? Right, uh, absolutely, and and there are um, obviously there are common features to both. Uh, because, you know, the relationships and that sort of thing. I think the issue is where the focus lies. So for most small groups, as a part of a church, the focus lies on the Sunday morning big get together. And, you know, that, that's fine in one sense. Within the house church, however, uh, the focus, the, 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 the group that meets in the home, the small group, is the church. Uh, that, that's, where, that's where everything happens. So it's not like one is an addendum to the big church. The, the house church is not an addendum that you, you the real, real church happens on Sunday morning when everybody gets together. But, yes, we're going to meet in a small group during the week. So for those of us involved in simple church or house church, that, that is the church. That's, so the, that's the real thing. So what you've just said is quite possibly the most, you know, some people listening today are thinking what you just said was heresy. That, that, a, <laughs> that a church in a home can replace the, and I'm not trying to be controversial, I just know people get ticked off and they get very territorial. But what you're saying is that a home church replaces the experience of going to a big church. They don't have to do both. They could get involved in a small group at a home where the focus is on the small group, the small church where it's not, the focus is not, this is an addendum, this is not something extra, that that is your church experience, that they can leave the big church and do that and not feel guilty. It takes a while to get over the guilt. Um, because, but, but our experience is that especially when one's working with non-Christians, which we love to do, that they are far more willing to come into our home than they are to go to a church. And um, th- th- that makes a lot of difference. Okay, and what you bring up a really good point, and John, you've giggled about it. I'll let you comment on that first before I bring up the, the point that Felicity has brought up. But what, okay. what, is, what is your thought? So there's a lot of flexibility. It can be both and. You can be part of a small group or a house church and be part of a larger church. It can also be either or. So again, when I was a pastor, we had this statement. I bet a lot of your listeners would agree with this. Scripture is our authoritative guide for faith and practice. I've always believed that. But when I began to think about what was the practice of the biblical New Testament church, as I mentioned early, uh, every church mentioned in the Bible met in a home. That was the New Testament practice. So are we going to take seriously the practice of Scripture or not? That's the question we have to wrestle with. All right. But yes, we do. Well, I understand, but things change. I mean, not everything they did in, in you know, AD 33 is applicable today. I mean, we use uh, cars and highways. They didn't have cars and highways. And so things have changed. We have the ability to build big buildings today, where back then those were, you know, extraordinarily difficult to build. Yeah. I mean, is, is, there, is there room in the body of Christ for big churches and small churches and small groups and really small groups? I totally think so. I think there's a place for yeah. both. And everybody needs to ask the Lord, what is your assignment for me? What do you want me to be involved with? All right, so Felicity, here's, here's what, when you were talking, you kept saying, especially when you're dealing with, when you're, when you're inviting non-Christians into the, to experience Christ in a small group, doing it in your home is a lot less threatening. Those are my words, not yours. You used way more eloquent words. But, you know, what are you teaching? 
I mean, is there, you know, first of all, a lot of big churches, if they attract non-Christ followers, they're just kind of hiding in the back rows. You know, there's not a lot of them that are being attracted off the street. But if they are, they're, they're, they're getting intermixed in. But if you're actually being intentional in a business environment or a neighborhood environment to bring and invite a lot of non-Christ followers, or as I like to call them, a lot of pre-Christians, what are you teaching them? How are you drawing them in? How are you attracting them to hear that message of Christ? Well, um, just just one sort of comment, um, and that is we don't really invite people to come to our home. We prefer to go to somebody else's home. So, yeah. for example, if you have a, a non-Christian who says, hey, yes, I'm, I'm interested in what you've been sharing, maybe you've shared your testimony or something, uh, our, our preference is to say to them, well, do you have any friends who might be interested in hearing about this too? Uh, and, you know, would you like to bring them together? And in that context, you're moving into their their home, their place of uh, of their sphere of influence, where they they feel at home, and they're not threatened by coming either to our home or into a, a church building. That's fantastic! Then, Wait a minute, now, now don't just don't just gloss over that. What you just said there was powerful because yeah. you're you're moving it to their their game field. You're moving it to their home field, so they feel like they have home field advantage, and so. You're coming onto their turf. They're not as intimidated. That's fantastic. I love that. Okay, now you can go on. <laughs> and it works. It works incredibly well too. And uh, so, that, so then we we usually um, will uh, will offer them effectively a Bible study. We'll we'll say Let, let's have a discussion about spirituality. And hey, we're going to use the number one book of spirit on spirituality ever written. How about we provide the book? And we'll provide, say, a Gospel of John. Okay. And then in a very interactive way, we will go through that book. So I remember one group we started with, um, uh, the lady had become a Christian uh, by somebody else. She was very, very new age, and she, uh, she brought together a group of p- people who were involved with her in, in new age type practices. And um, we, we studied together uh, the book of John in a very, very interactive fashion. So, so we tend to use four symbols, uh, a question mark, a light bulb, so yes, it sheds light on something, an arrow, God is speaking to my heart, and uh, an ear. Who else do I know who needs to hear about this? Because obviously you want this to multiply. And we do this in the context usually of a meal and uh, having some fellowship together, effectively based on Acts 2.42. They came together for the Apostles' Doctrine, for fellowship, for breaking of bread and prayer. We'll pray for one another. And non-Christians are not threatened by that, and non-Christians will happily do that. We've seen that again and again, that you can get a group of non-Christians studying the Word of God together. And then obviously, you know, God speaks through His Word, and He changes lives. And within this particular group, uh, there was one point where we got to John chapter 1, verse 12, which says, uh, to as many as received him, to them he gave power to become the sons of God, even to those that believe on his name. And uh, that week, we sent everybody away to pray over that verse, and they came back, and they were laughing, they were crying, they were hugging, and God had met them. And you could say, well, it was on that day that the church was born. So, you know, a group of uh, sort of six, eight, ten non-Christians, effectively together as a group, becoming a church as each one of them individually met Jesus. Right. Now, John White, you were a pastor, and now you're heading up this this online community, LK10.com, which is like Luke10.com, LK10.com or LK10, LK10. 
uh, com. This is a place. Well, what is LK10? How, what kind of resources are out there for these for this small church movement that that people can find on LK10.com? Yeah. Well, one of the fun things about the whole house church movement, and I think uh, the Pew Foundation has said that at least nine percent of American adults now say that house church is their only form of church, which is remarkable. Uh, there are many streams in the house church movement, so Luke 10 is only one of those. But what we've done is taken the most important things we've learned about how to do house church small group and put it into a six-week free course that we call Church 101. So if anybody's interested in that, uh, all you have to do is go to our website, lk10.com, scroll down to number three, and sign up, and we'll send you uh, the material needed to get started with this. We, it's very, very simple. It, like we said, simple church. Anybody can do it. Well, okay, so let's let's talk about this anybody-can-do-it thing. Because as a former pastor, you've probably got a lot of pastor friends who don't like you. Is that true? <laughs> uh, there, there are a few people that have asked questions, yeah. <laughs> well, okay, uh, you're being very gracious. I love that. Okay, what we need to do is we need to help the audience understand the, the power behind this movement. Because it's not, you know, it's not that big church is bad. It's not that having a big, powerful music worship set is bad. It's not that, that having organized you know, uh, a Sunday worship service is bad. But a lot of people, they go in and they go out and they don't get connected to God. In the small group, experience in a small home church experience that is virtually impossible isn't that true john oh absolutely and in fact a verse in scripture that i had missed for years i'd never heard anybody teach about it or preach about it first corinthians fourteen twenty six. paul says when you come together brothers and the idea there is when you assemble for church when you come together brothers everyone has a word of instruction a hymn a revelation a tongue and so on and the word that grabbed me there was the word everyone. In the New Testament church, everybody participated. Everybody brought something to the table. And I'll tell you, spiritual growth occurs not when you sit and listen, but when you participate in a community like that. Okay, so my passion, of course, and the I work for impassion for both you, Felicity, and John White, is that people understand that their workplace is their mission field, that people understand that their work is a calling from God, that, that they're calling to be an electrician, an engineer, an, an administrative assistant, a nurse, a doctor, a, a guy that cleans out barns, that that calling is as equally high of a calling as a pastor that because that's their mission field. And how does, and the big church is struggling with helping equip people to connect what they learn on Sunday with what they're doing in their nine to five. How does the small church movement do that more effectively? Felicity, you start with that answer to that question. Well, I think um, that there's, a, there's a, a tremendous emphasis on discipleship within the small church movement, a, a, a growing in Christ, a growing in Christ together. And certainly our experience has been that that's very, very easy to translate into the workplace. So, you know, my husband and I have a business, and discipleship goes on there. People are at the business. They're there for 40 hours a week. You know, what better place, in a sense, to disciple them, to spend time studying the Word together, to pray together, to be, to be open to, um, you know, that somebody comes and maybe they've got a bit of a problem and they come in and they talk about it. Well, can I pray with you? So our, our company employs uh, Christians and non-Christians. 
Uh, but we, we've tried to make it a very, very easy place for people to find Jesus. And, and that's certainly been true. We've seen ma- many of our employees have actually found Christ within the workplace, with, with it, within the work environment. And, and we think uh, that it's a great place uh, to disciple, to make disciples. Now, Felicity, are you and Tony involved in a small house church now? We are, although it, it, uh, the purpose of that house church is training other people probably to, to start a church within, within, within their place of work. Or to start to make disciples oh. within their place of work, so it's it's a sort of combination church slash training ground. Wow, that's pretty cool. Now, what about you, John? You and your family are you guys involved in a small in a small house church? Well, a similar kind of an answer at this stage in our life, uh, we do kind of what Paul did with the school of Tyrannus uh, in Ephesus, where he was training other people. Except we do it virtually. So um, every day I'm on video calls with people around the world uh, training them to do house church. So there's tremendous fellowship, um, interaction, supporting of one another, and equipping that takes place in that context. That's kind of our house church these days. Okay, but that's really hard to have solid relationships. It's nice to be able to touch and hug people that are in your small group. I mean, how do you get... I mean, I understand the fellowship. I understand, and with FaceTime and with Skype and all these different video ways to connect with people, it's amazing in today's world. But how do you get that that loving feeling that when you're in that small? I mean, when you're in a small group, when when you're sick one day or both of you are sick, and and somebody's got issues, it's nice to be able to call somebody locally to come over and help. I mean, how do you how do you deal with that? Well, I was skeptical about that to begin with as well, but we've been doing uh, sort of video calls for three years. And with, we, we have what we call rhythms of attention, um, a sort of a track to run on when these video groups meet that have produced um, amazingly intimate fellowship, life-changing kind of situations. I had no idea that could happen, but it's happening with people literally around the world. Okay, we've got lots of people listening today. They're going, this is really interesting, Sonny. I, I want to know. How do I find out, number one, are there small house churches in my area? Because we've got people listening literally all over the world, not in Antarctica because there's no radio there, but everywhere but there. So they're, but they're wanting to know, and, and my wife's going to get mad at me later for saying that, Jim, give it up. There's nobody in radio in, in Antarctica. But, how, but there are people living there, and they may want to start a small group. How do people find out, is there a house church they can join or how do they find out how they can start one in their area? Let's answer the first question first. How can they find out if there's a house church in their area? Felicity, I can hardly wait for your answer. <laughs> wow, John, you're it's so good at yeah. that. <laughs> it's actually very difficult um, uh, because you know house churches don't advertise in the phone book, and they they don't put out newspaper ads, and they don't have a building that can be seen. And so, really, it's through networks of relationships. So, actually, the Luke 10 site that John has might easily be somewhere where you could find out if there's a, a, a small church meeting, a house church meeting within your area. Um, so, I would recommend that. But actually, uh, I would also recommend that you think about starting something. There you go. Especially if you've been a, a Christian for any length of time. Um, oh, okay, so let's let, let's just stop there for a second. Okay, because that resonates with me. I live it. I live in a town. I live in the beaches just outside of uh, uh, Tampa, Florida, and literally from the town of Madeira Beach. A lot of people have heard of Madeira Beach. From north of there, all the way to Clearwater Beach, not a single evangelical church. 
period. My goodness. On the beach. Three or 400,000 oh. people live in this area, not an evangelical church north of Madeira Beach. Uh, and so Martha and I keep saying, okay, I want to start a small church, but it's that guilt thing. Okay, like if I start a small group that really becomes my small church, that, but I'm not involved in a big church, a lot of people go, well, where do you go to church? I'm like, I have a, I have a house church. <laughs> no, well, where do you go to church? Well, I have a house church. There's the guilt. There, how do you deal with that, John? <laughs> I love it. I think God's calling you to start a church here, Jim, pretty soon. Um, <laughs> I agree. I agree. I'm not sure Martha's on board yet, but I'm telling you, there's the guilt. I understand. And part of what we almost have to do is give people permission to go back to do it the way it was done in the Bible. So how did they describe churches there? It was the church that met in Priscilla and Aquila's house. Right. So if we're going to be biblical, it's the church that meets at Jim and Martha's house. So uh, I think it's totally biblical, and I think we have to get over this idea. Maybe some of this has come from larger churches. If you're not here on Sunday, you know, something's wrong. Let, let's go back to the way that it was done in the New Testament. All right, so then what about our tithe? Because our tithe, that we're told, again, I'm, I'm hitting you with all, all the things about <laughs> Our tithe's supposed to go to our local church where, where we're getting um, fed, but if we're doing a small home church, there's no cost, there's no overhead, there's nothing. Yeah. So now we're supporting <laughs> other ministries? Is that what you're saying? So we, we have one comment. I'm sure Felicity will have a comment on that. <laughs> we have one, uh, one comment, because we get all kinds of questions. What do you do with the children? What about the money? What about this? So people that hang out with us get tired of my answer, and it goes like this. Jesus is the head of the church. Ask him what to do with your money. What about the children? <laughs> Ask Jesus Ask what to do Jesus with the children? what to do with your children. Okay, is so he the head of the church? Is he present or not? Yes, he, he is. is. Of course he is. There you okay. go. Okay, but you're you're so you're in this virtual small group, so you're not dealing with children issues. Felicity, talk about as you're training up people to then launch their own small house churches and and specifically business workplace related. What do you do with the kids? Well, I'm, I'm afraid my answer is going to be the same as John's. You ask Jesus, <laughs> and you do what He says. So we have seen all kinds of things um, done, you know, over the years. We've had we we uh, we love to include the children in it, any, anything and everything that we can. The kids don't have a junior Holy Spirit. Amen. They can hear Jesus. They can <laughs> they can obey Him. They can you know they can they they can be an absolutely integral part. But you know sometimes when it comes to deep wait a minute, discussion, you're saying the kids can be involved in the conversation? Shocking, but yes, absolutely. <laughs> what a concept! You guys are yeah. going to get burned at the stake tonight. I just can see it now. Yeah. I, I mean, I love that idea. I mean, you really, uh, here's what I'm picturing. I'm picturing slightly less than Little House on the Prairie. Now, I grew up in Minnesota, <laughs> so I can comment on that. But that was a small little church. But that, that church was really a representation of the entire community where the kids were involved and the adults were involved. And, and the church was the church running that community. All right. Felicity and John, we're running out of time. I want to make sure we tell people how to get resources. There is no nationwide denomination, small church denomination. There's no one place to go and get the tools to get this started, and it freaks people out like me, who've always been involved in big church, to do this on their own. Felicity, where would you go if you were going to start from scratch and you heard the show today and you want to start one tomorrow? You know, I think I would go to the Luke10.com site uh, what John is doing is uh, is remarkable, and, and I think that's a great place to go. 
Wow, John, there you got it. From the Pretty good advertisement, huh? It is. It is. The biggest <laughs> proponent right there of small churches in the country. Felicity Dale just said go to LK10.com. What, what are people going to find there, John? Uh, obviously, they're going to get involved in the Church 101, um, the, the, that study that you've got out there. What else are they going to find out there on yeah. LK10.com? On the homepage, there are four simple things. Number one, sort of a review of the homepage. Number two is a way to sign up for a newsletter that tells stories of people doing this kind of thing around the country and around the world. Number three is how to sign up for Church 101, free six-week course on how to do this. And then number four is our leadership course. In addition to that, if they click on the library, there are literally hundreds of articles that we've written, videos, articles, and so on about people doing this kind of thing. It's all there, all free, all available for people. Now, just correct me if I'm wrong, but this is what I have heard, is that the country of China is being absolutely revolutionized by Jesus from the inside out. Despite the communist influence, there are millions of house churches around that country that are changing that country. Isn't that true? That's absolutely true. It's not just China. India is the same way. Uh, and various countries in the Middle East, I'm hearing as well, are also being just transformed. Uh, it's, I know it's hard to believe, you know, considering the news that we hear out of there. But I think under the surface, God is doing remarkable things within within the Muslim world and uh, within the Hindu world. And here's the, fun, here's the fun thing about it, Jim. It's not in spite of the communist rule. It's almost because of it, because it's forced the church to go back to the New Testament. They shut down all the church buildings through the pastors and missionaries in jail, and what was left? They went back to the home. Well, and they had, and a lot of them lost their Bibles, but they had been really good at memorizing it, so they had that going for them. Yep. All right, but there, there's people listening today that are like me, freaked out about doing this. And, and honestly, I've been praying about this for a number of years because I've been studying it going, I know, for, I, I live in a neighborhood with almost all of them, almost none of them go to church. And I try to picture them walking through the door of the big church that I've gone to. And I can't picture them. If they walk through the door, they will expect to get hit by lightning or for the building to fall down. They just are not going to come. Even if I invite them, even though I'm a really nice guy, they're not going to come. How do we just speak to the heart, Felicity, of the people listening? I want to do this, but I'm a little freaked out. Well, I think the first thing you do is that you pray. You ask Jesus uh, to show you. Uh, what, what the, the biblical concept is a person of peace, somebody who is going to be open to the message that you give, and that the chances are high that they'll not be a churchgoer, they'll not be a Christian, but they're going to be somebody who you can uh, a, a, approach. And then you ask the Lord for that, that sort of uh, that open door. Maybe you're in, you know, you're in conversation with them, you're both working out in your yard or whatever, and th- they happen to mention something, that, that there's a need that they've got. And, and you you say to them, well, I, I don't know what you believe about these things, but you know, could I pray for you uh, or this your, your situation? And you see what Jesus does. And I, really, it's yeah. Go ahead. I love that. I want I want to ask one more question, John. What kind of a job background do I have to have in order to be able to run a small church in my home? What kind of a job background? Well, you have to be uh, learning how to hear God's voice. That's the main requirement. See, that's beautiful. I love that. Unfortunately, guys, we've come to the end of the show, but I really, really appreciate this conversation. We have got to revisit this again because this is something that's going to transform our country. 
Felicity Dale, John White, thank you so much for being on I Work for Him today. Good to be with thank you, Thank you, Jim. All right, on your way out the door today to go home, make sure you write down the website, lk10.com, and write down the name of this book, Small is Big, by Tony and Felicity Dale and George Barna. And then email me, jim at iworkforhim.com. I want to give you a copy of it. If you're interested in starting a small group, this is a book you need to get. It will help you put all the pieces together and be brave enough to start it. Just be listening for more on I Work For Him. You've been listening to I Work For Him with your host, Jim Brangenberg. I'm freaked out about starting a small group just like you, but ultimately, I work for him.